Thank you, Matt. I assume I'm on. Can you hear me okay? If not, I can project outward uh, as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I hear myself now. That's good when you can hear yourself. I've heard that's useful. Um, so it is truly my privilege to uh, share with you a few thoughts this morning um, in reflection and in focusing on the series that uh, we've been uh, talking about this last month on eternal investments. Now, I want to tell you at the front end um, that, as you may know, I work in higher education, and I've been working in higher education for about 10 to 15 years, so a lot of what I may say will connect to the work that I do. So I want you to know that when I say studies show or research says, um, just bear with me. It actually has a connection to what um, I'm going to be talking about uh, today. So um, as a practitioner in higher education, there's some really interesting studies and groundbreaking research that has recently been discovered. And you may know about this, you may have heard about it, um, but studies have recently shown, really in the last 10 to 15 years, um, that you can increase your IQ. Have you heard of this? Any, raise your hand. Okay, so about maybe three or four of you have heard of this research. So this is a, this is a new idea, very exciting here. There is a lady by the name of Carol Dweck from Stanford University who has combined a lot of research that's been done in psychology, a lot of research that's been done in human development, a lot of research that's been done in neuroscience. And basically what she's found is that um, if you invest a lot of hard work and effort into increasing your brain capacity, you can actually get smarter. Isn't that cool? So what she's found is that the brain is a lot like a muscle. Uh, you know that if you go to the gym and you work out your biceps or your quadriceps or your triceps or any other kind of muscle, that it can grow. And what we have found is that your brain is a lot like this as well. Now, unfortunately, as you know, atrophy can set in. And when you don't use your brain, studies also show that you can get dumber. So um, just as a tip, as a word of advice, um, some wisdom that I'm offering you this morning, continue to read those books, uh, continue to do those crossword puzzles, continue to balance your checkbook. Um, a couple of months ago, I tried to add and subtract, and I just totally forgot how to do it. And so it's useful sometimes to use what you have been given. And so today we're going to be talking about um, a story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 31. And in this story, he talks about how that when you use what you have, you can double it. But when you don't use it, you can lose it. Matthew 25 is the parable of the talents. Verses 14 through 31 is what we are going to read today. So when you get there, just raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it's going to take me a minute to get there. All right. Verses 14 through 31 says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. 
To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. And master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out, and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So as I mentioned, the series that we've been doing these last couple of weeks has been entitled Eternal Investments. And in this story, we find a master who invests his resources into his servants. And so what I want to do is just briefly review this story and just make a few points and close because I know we're running kind of late today. So let me just first talk about how the master entrusts his servants with talents. Now, you might know this, but a talent is worth about 75 pounds of silver. It was the largest unit of measurement during the time in which this story was told. And so a talent represented a rather large sum of money. Some calculate that one talent is equal to like 20 years worth of your wages. Another source states that if you had five talents, it would equate to being a multimillionaire. So I can remember, I can only imagine, you know, having a talent in my hand. Can you imagine if somebody came up to you and gave you you know, thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. I mean, how would you feel? I remember when my wife and I lived in Texas, we had purchased, you know, our first home and we fixed it up and we painted the walls and we hired some people to come in and, uh, you know, put windows in and we added a new room and we decided, you know, that, um, you know, the market was right. And so we wanted to sell our house. And so we worked with a realtor, and we basically doubled 
the price on the house. We bought it, I don't mind telling you. We bought it for $50,000 and two and a half years later sold it for $105,000. Now, that had nothing to do with my real estate skills. It had everything to do with my wife's wisdom and with God's blessing. So when we sold our house, we went to the bank and we knew what we were going to do with this money. Well, we went to the bank and we got a check after we paid our realtor fees, we got a check for $42,000. And I'll never forget what it was like looking at that check and um, putting it in my pocket and talking to my wife about all of the things that we could do with this money. You know, it, it was June, it was in Texas, it was 105 degrees. I told her, look, I know you have a plan, you want to pay off some debt, but look, it's really hot, and I think we should get a pool for our kids. <laughs> and I think if we, if we do this, our lives, our family will be blessed. It could be a ministry tool. I really think, I really think we should do it. She said, you know, you, you kind of bring up a good point. She's like, I could go on a shopping spree. I could get new clothes. I wouldn't have to shop at Goodwill anymore. You know, um, there are some neat things we could do with this money. I said, well, maybe we could go on vacation for two months this year. You know, typically our vacations were just like extended weekends. We just didn't have the resources to spend, you know, money on that kind of thing. And I also thought about maybe eating Texas barbecue like every day for the next three months. <laughs> so I was thinking all these ways in which I could use this money. Now, we had gone through this Dave Ramsey course. You ever heard of Financial Peace University? If you have, say I. I. Yeah, so perhaps you've gone through it at this church. I'm relatively new, so I'm not sure what you've done. But it totally transformed how we thought about money and how we handled our money. And my wife was very diligent about how we did this. So um, to my misfortune, she said, we need to do what we planned on doing with this money, and we need to pay off debt so that in the future I can stay home with our kids and, you know, we don't have to pay those additional bills. And I was just very depressed. I had to seek out therapy for, you know, the next uh, couple of months because I really had a good plan with that money. But you, can you imagine? Maybe you're used to holding a lot of cash in your hand, but that wasn't my background. The most I'd ever held in my hands was maybe four or $500, but can you imagine being given this kind of money? And this servant, these servants, were given a lot of resources, and they had to make a decision on what they were going to do with their money. So we also learn in verses 16 and 17 that the man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more. And then in verse 17 it says, the one with two talents gained two more, but the man who had received one talent dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So two of the servants, servants doubled their money. So they just went out and they, they, put, they put their talents to work. And the Bible tells us they just went out immediately. We don't know exactly what they did. We just know that they went and put their resources to work and they doubled it. This week when I was doing some research for this sermon, I came across some interesting stories about young people who have used their talents. And these are young people who are ages 12 to 22. Listen to this. 
This person's name is Emile Motika. She's 21. The title of her story was From Moboy, excuse me, it's a male, From Moboy to $135,000 a year. Emile owns a company which provides work for about 65 people in northern Colorado. Motika Enterprises offers everything from building and janitorial maintenance to lawn care, tree care, snow removal, and even Christmas light installation. Emil earned $135,000 his senior year of high school. Alex Morocco, who was 21, the story was entitled From $0 to $100,000 in Five Months. It says Alex went from training clients in person to doing everything online in 2009. His first product was a video that taught people how to dribble the basketball, which earned him $20,000 in the first week of its release. Now, if you figure out how to do something like this, share this with me because I'd like to uh, have $20,000 in my hands. The last story that I'll share with you is Adam Horowitz, who was 18. His story was entitled, $1.5 million in three days. It said, Adam has learned from his mistakes and now teaches people how to make money online. His courses are entitled, Tycoon Cash Flow and Cell Phone Treasure. Each have earned over $100,000. His latest, Mobile Monopoly, earned $1.5 million in three days and set all sorts of affiliate marketing records. These young people put their talents to work and made a lot of money. Now, we don't know what they did. We just know that they worked with what they had and they made a lot of money. But what we also know is that one servant lost his money. Look at verses 24 and 25. It says, Then the man who had received the one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So let's consider something about this one talent man. I'd like for you to just think a moment and maybe reflect on why this person um, hid his talent. Think about it. Have you ever hidden something that you knew you were good at? Why did you do it? You know, maybe when you look around at people here in this church, you see people that are up on stage that can sing a song. You might go to a class and you see someone who can teach a class. You might see someone organize an event like the men's retreat, and you think, that's, that's not something I could ever do. But maybe you sit out there and think to yourself, you know, I, I actually think that I could do something. I think that I could serve people. I think that I could make an investment in Victory Life and help it accomplish its mission, but I just would rather hide in the background. So I think that we can identify with this one talent man. When I went off to college, you know, I had just become a Christian um, when I was 18 years old. In fact, uh, March 17th, 1991, is my spiritual birth date. So that's like in four days, I will have been a Christian for 25 years. That's a quarter of a century. And uh, I'm still learning a lot. Um, so I'm 25 years old as a, as a Christian. But when I went off to college, 
I didn't know a lot about Bible. I didn't know a lot about Christianity. I didn't know a lot about anything. I didn't grow up in a youth group. You know, I grew up in a Catholic home, and I went to catechism. The best I could do was recite the Our Father prayer. I could say the Hail Mary, and I could do the sign of the cross, and that's about it. And I was very intimidated as I looked around at all of my classmates, and they could raise their hand, and they could quote scripture. They could talk about, you know, youth group stories. I remember how all of them, you know, talked about being in Bible Bowl. I had no idea what that was. And I remember that first year thinking, you know, I just don't belong here. I think, I think I need to go home and go to another school where I could fit in, where, you know, I could just use my talents and, and, and maybe feel more comfortable. So I can identify with maybe what this one talent person felt. And so what we know is that the master entrusted his servants with some talents, and two of them doubled their talents. One of them hid their talent in the ground. And I just want to kind of bring out three main ideas about these servants and what they did with their talents. The first thing I want to talk about is that we have to change how we think about our value. The man with one talent obviously felt a certain way about his resources, so he, so he didn't put them to work at all. The Bible says that he was afraid and hid his talent in the ground. Fear was in the driver's seat for this servant. Fear had the steering wheel and drove this servant away from God's intended destination. He convinced him to just totally turn over his control to fear, and fear led him away from God's intentions. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this or not, but fear often is referred to as an acronym, as false evidence that actually appears real. And sometimes we can be so driven by false ideas and false concepts and false experiences that can just make fear rise up in us and it makes us want to hide the deposit that God has made in us. Sometimes this can happen. So, again, in my work in higher education, we study these kinds of things and how a person has fear and how they have apprehension and how they think about um, their learning. And we have to really know how to effectively remove all barriers and obstacles for students. And there's some studies around this notion of stereotype threat. A person by the name of uh, Claude Aronson, who's also from Stanford, has done studies on this. And what he has found is that when you remind females of their gender, before they take a math test, their scores go down. But when you remind them um, that they have an Asian background, their scores go up. And so what we have found is that how a person thinks in their mind actually influences their performance in academics. Another test that you might find interesting uh, was given to a bunch of white males on their athletic ability. Before the test, they're told that the test is going to measure their, their innate athletic ability. Um, 
And uh, when they take the test and they're told that it's going to measure their athletic skills, their scores actually go down. Because everybody knows that white men can't jump, right? (laughs) But on the contrary, when they take these tests and they tell them that they're going to measure their strategic thinking ability, their scores go up. So we know that our mind can influence how we respond to how we deal with ourselves. It can influence how you see your talents and your skills, and you can totally miss it. I remember a couple of years ago, um, I was praying with my son. And uh, we do this every night, and um, we read a few books Um, we've been reading this book entitled Just My Dad and Me for the last two years, every single night. I have it memorized, and so does he. But it's our custom to have prayer. And, uh, you know, I was praying, and um, I just was prompted to stop in the middle of my prayer. And I stopped, and he opened his eyes, and I did too. And I said, you know, um, buddy, I've been noticing something about you. He said, oh, really? What is it? I said, I've been noticing that, uh, you know, you can run really fast. And his eyes started, dart, dart, you know, darting right and to the left and to the right and to the left. And I could just see and feel him thinking. And he looks at me and he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm really serious. I think you can run really fast. He said, are you serious? I said, yes, I'm serious. I think you can, you can run fast. And I could feel the doubt, you know, in his skill and his ability. Well, about a week later, you know, we went to um, a local park, and we were running around, and we were playing soccer, and we were having fun. And I mean to tell you, he was like running as fast as I'd ever seen him run before. And we were on our way home, and I said, uh, tell me, what, what made you run so fast? And this is what he said. I didn't expect it. I didn't set it up. He told me, I think about it. I think about it. You know, sometimes you have to think about what you have in the right way. I mentioned the study um, at the beginning of this talk about intelligence and how you can increase it. What they've really found out is that how you think about your intellectual capacity will govern whether or not you get smarter or dumber. They break it into a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. A growth mindset presupposes that intelligence can grow. A fixed mindset presupposes that intelligence can't grow. And what they find is how you think about your intelligence actually influences how much your brain grows. And sometimes how you think about your talent will influence how you use it. It will influence whether or not you use it. It will influence how you respond to the feelings of fear, to the feelings of apprehension, to the feelings of, I could never do this. I could never stand up and share a story. I could never teach a class. How you think about your talent is important. How you think about your value is critical to your service to the kingdom. Which actually leads to the next lesson. You must know your value. 
See, some of us have one talent. Some of us have two talents. Some of us have more. But the important thing is you have to be what God made you to be. You know, um, as Matt mentioned, I'm the new young adult guy. And when I came on staff here, um, they gifted our young adult group with room 101 and 103 down the hall. And you may have popped your head in there in the last couple of weeks. The, the room is totally renovated. It's totally brand new. It looks wonderful. And, uh, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted this thing to look like. Um, but I knew that I couldn't accomplish the, the goals, the vision, the idea that I had for this room. And so I turned it over to Josh Kopsick. And he said, okay, I think we should do this. And I think we should do that. He's like, Otto, you've told me about your skills. I think, you know, if we leave it to you, you could burn the building down. <laughs> and I said, Matt, I think you're right. I said, Josh, I think you're right. I think, you know, I trust you. People have told me about you. They've also told me about your dad. Go for it. And so they worked on it for a couple of weeks. And if you haven't seen it, you have to stop by. It's the first door on the right, down the hall. I think it's room, it says 101 and 103. It looks phenomenal. And I am so grateful that Dennis uh, Kopsik and Josh Kopsik led the charge on that room. Because if it would have been me, I mean to tell you, I just would have put some posters up. And there would have been holes in the wall. It would have been really, really bad. But because of their commitment and because of them using their talents, we were able to save so much money on that room. So God has endowed each of you with talents, with abilities, with gifts. In Jeremiah, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you, before you were born, I set you apart. He has a specific assignment for you, and he's giving you the tools to do this. So again, if I could refer to some research, there's some really exciting studies about talents. You may have heard a book called Strengths Finder. You ever heard of this book? Um, people have said that a Strengths Finder research has said that when people find out what their strengths are, they can be world class um, in how they express those strengths. It's a pretty bold claim. And there are 34 different talents in this book. And when you take the assessment, it identifies five strengths and talents um, that each person respectively has. And so as I thought about strengths and talents that exist within this church, it made me kind of think about some of the strengths and talents that are in StrengthsFinder. Let me just mention a few to you. One strength is called Activator. These are individuals who can th turn thoughts into action. Now, again, I think of Josh Kopsik as an activator. Another one is analytical. These are individuals who have the ability to think about all of the factors that might affect a situation. And again, I don't mean to embarrass him at, and her, but I think about Kenny Spiegelmeyer and Joan Curry as analytical people. This is why we have them as overseers of our budget building and operations. Another skill or strength or talent is a ranger. These are individuals who determine how all of the pieces and resources can be arranged for maximum output. I think of Pastor Spring as one who has the ability to arrange the many details to ensure our children are served well. 
Another strength is positivity. These are individuals who have enthusiasm that is contagious, and they are very upbeat. And when I think of positivity, I hope I say her last name right. I think of Tina Geyer. I got it right. Last week, if you came to our chili contest, Tina Tina was making these balloons, and she was making them into animals, and she was making them into you know, crowns, and she was making, in, making them into all swords. I think my son got a few swords that he hit me over the head with after we got home. But she had people surrounding her to make these, um, to make these, um, these balloons. The last talent is woo that I'd like to mention. These are individuals who love the challenge of meeting new people and winning them over. They derive satisfaction from breaking the ice and making a connection with someone. I think of Rebecca Ball. Um, I was grateful for Rebecca a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had some friends who visited from Kent State, and uh, she reached out to them. Uh, She got down on the level of their two-year-old child and talked with that child. And the very next week, that family came back. And see, sometimes you don't think much about the strength or talent that you express within this church community, but it can influence what people do and how they respond to the ways in which we interact with them. So we all have strengths and talents, and we all need to reach the best expression of how God made us. Because once you know what you have, you'll be able to add to it, which leads to our last point. God wants to use the investment he made in you to accomplish something greater than what you currently see. So God responded to the servants who added to their talents, and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I will put you in charge of many things. What did they do well? You think about that. What did they, what did they do that, that made God so excited about how they use their talents. We don't know exactly what they did. We just know that they doubled what they had. They went out and they invested the deposit that God had made in them, and they doubled it. And so, if I may, I'd like to offer a few suggestions before I close. One of the ways in which I think we can double our resources is to consider your own life story. Sometimes I think in Christianity, we can be so removed from our interactions with others, and it sort of depersonalizes the impact that we're trying to make. But God wants to use your own unique journey to influence people around you. You know, I mentioned a moment ago that I was the first uh, among many to go to college, you know, in my family, and um, I was the you know, first in my family to become, you know, a Christian, and it was an interesting experience because of it, but I was also, um, you know, low income, and I was one among maybe five Latino individuals at that university, and so it felt kind of interesting, but the cool thing that God has done for me is that he's allowed me to work in programs that has allowed me to empower, encourage, inspire so many students who are like me over the last 10 to 15 years. I've been able to see so many of my students become lawyers, 
doctors, professors who were the first in their families to go to college. And so think about your own journey. Think about your own story. There are certain things about your journey that is unique, and God may want to use your journey as an example to those around you so as to double the resources that he's given you. Ephesians says that we are God's workmanship. And you might know this, but uh, the word workmanship in, in the New Testament Greek is actually the word poema, uh, which is the word that we get poetry from. So another way of saying this is that we are God's poetry, that our lives are God's story. So he wants to use your story to influence other people around you to get them to come to him. So the last suggestion that I would like to make is that you should pray about unused talent. Is there something new that God may want to do in you? Have you ever considered maybe that God might want to use something in you that would be something great for his kingdom? You know, it might naturally freak you out. Maybe you sit there sometimes and you listen to a message. You might be in worship and you, you sing and you have a connection with God and he makes you think about something that you could do, but then you just naturally respond and you freak out about it and you have fear and you just hide your talent. But there are things that this community could use um, from you, from me, from all of us, so that God can double our impact. Maybe you didn't have a good father growing up, and maybe God would want for you to mentor young men in our community. I would encourage you to pray about how God could use the knowledge you have from leading a family to help young boys in your neighborhood. Perhaps you endured an abusive relationship and God has given you wisdom on how to find healing. Maybe you should pray about the possibility of starting an empowerment group for others who have gone through this. Maybe you were delivered from alcoholism. Maybe you should consider becoming a leader um, in a ministry that can help young men and older men overcome and find healing from this lifestyle. Some of you may have been healed from sexual impurity, and maybe God wants you to work with our youth and young adults to help them deal with media, peer pressure, and other things that they face. There's a lot of different things that you, know, you could do that could really impact our community. There's a lot of things that I think this church could do to really impact um, the neighborhoods around us in greater ways. One of the things that I love about Pastor Matt's leadership is that he does not want for this church to stay a one-talent church, a two-talent church, a five-talent church. He wants for us to double our talents and double our resources and to double our impact on those around us. This church can become one of the greatest churches in this community if we will understand how to use what God has given us. There's a story about um, Abraham Lincoln um, going through a really hard time during the Civil War. And uh, he went to uh, church service. As you might know, he was a believer in Christ. 
He went to a church service, and he was sitting there with his presidential aide. And uh, his presidential aide, you know, would often reflect with President Lincoln after the message. And um, they were um, sitting there after the, the church service got over. And his aide said, so what did you think, Mr. President, about, about this message? And um, he said, you know, I thought the message was good. The content was solid. It was well-organized. He was articulate. But I think he failed. And his aide said, well, how do you think he failed if he did all these things right? And President Lincoln responded. And he said, I think he failed because he did not ask of us something great. What is the something great that God wants to do with you individually? What is the something great that God wants to do with our church? It's my prayer, and I hope it's yours, that we can find out what that is. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share about the resources that you have deposited into each person in this room. I pray that in some way that um, many were inspired and encouraged to use what you have given them. Sometimes it could be a hardship that they endured. Sometimes it could be um, a talent that they've just realized that they have. I pray that you would resurrect new life and new passion and new courage to impact our church and our community for your kingdom. Help us to do something great. In Jesus' name, amen.